，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。The annual dialogue on Asia-Pacific security, the Katagalan Forum, kicked off on Tuesday. President Tsai Ing-wen took the opportunity to thank former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe for his contributions to the region. She also emphasized Taiwan's commitment to its defense and self-reliance. The forum was attended by scholars and politicians from several countries who discussed regional security and Taiwan's key role as a regional democratic partner. Through a pre-recorded video, President Tsai Ing-wen spoke at this year's Ketagalan Forum on the topic of security in the Indo-Pacific. Tsai thanked former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe for his contributions on the matter. The former Prime Minister laid the foundation for stronger regional partnership. Thanks to him, we are better placed to uphold the democratic. Rules-based order. In her address to academics from the U.S., Europe, Japan, and Australia, Tsai underscored the indispensable nature of Taiwan as a regional partner on democracy. She said Taiwan would continue to strive toward progress on defense, self-reliance, and the strengthening of its national defense. We have set up new facilities to advance domestic development of naval vessels. We have also taken steps to bolster. Our reserve forces, and we have made substantial investments to enhance our asymmetric warfare capabilities. Together, these efforts are accelerating our progress towards self-sufficiency in national defense. How the United States, together with like-minded countries, could defend Taiwan from Chinese aggression is the question we need to answer now. If China uses forces against Taiwan, whether we choose or not, Japan will be affected. Unable to travel to Taiwan due to a COVID infection, former Japanese Defense Minister Kono Taro addressed the forum via video conference, saying that Chinese use of force against Taiwan would impact Japan. Meanwhile, Japanese MP Suzuki Keisuke made his ninth trip to Taiwan to attend the forum in person. In a tweet made the day before, Suzuki said he had experienced his first Wanan air defense drill. Unable to be outside for 30 minutes during the drill was a somber reminder of the threat Taiwan faces. He wrote. Japan's latest defense white paper contains 10 pages on Taiwan. This is unprecedented in Japanese history. That is, Japan putting this opposition to China's use of force to change the status quo in the Taiwan Strait into its defense policy. It's a clear signal. Japan's participation at the Katagalan Forum and its emphasis on Taiwan and its defense policy reflect a clear development in Japanese policy and reflect the solid state of Taiwan-Japan relations. Four more contacts of a patient confirmed with the BA.5 Omicron subvariant have tested positive for COVID. Health officials say two of the new patients had previously had COVID, while the other two present a high CT value. Representing a low viral load. Genetic sequencing results are still pending, but Gaosheng says there doesn't seem to be widespread transmission of the subvariant in the city. Let's hear from the city mayor. On Saturday, a first round of PCR tests was carried out at the initial cases workplace. 
On Monday, there was a second round of tests. On Wednesday, another round of tests will be administered to the shipbuilding workers. Since there is community transmission, we can't easily tell whether a patient that tested positive with a high CT value was infected recently. The Kaohsiung government will send samples from patients with low CT values for genetic sequencing. Two of the new cases in the cluster have been determined to be patients who recently recovered from a COVID infection in May. Genetic sequencing tests have yet to come out for, for the other two patients, both of whom also presented high CD values. Premier Su Zhen Chang and CECC head Victor Wong on Tuesday attended a ceremony to celebrate 50 years of Taipei Hospital. The officials were asked questions about Taiwan's approach to easing COVID measures. Su said the lifting of COVID rules would be gradual and cautious as COVID is still raging around the world. Meanwhile, Wang said he had been meeting with experts from many fields to find the best way forward. Premier Su Zhen Chang attended a ceremony celebrating 50 years of Taipei Hospital. With him was the new health minister Xue Rui Yuan and the new CECC head Victor Wang. Su thanked medical professionals for being at the front line of Taiwan's defenses against COVID. He said that moving forward, easing Taiwan's COVID measures will require plenty of caution. Taiwan's COVID situation is indeed easing. Everyone has complied very well with the measures. But abroad, COVID is raging. We still must be cautious when assessing how to open our borders. About 60% of the infected children with severe COVID are young children. Their protection is extremely important for us, so we are making that an important indicator. We hope that vaccine coverage among young children can be a bit higher before we ease measures farther. Officials say there is no plan yet to completely do away with arrival quarantines, especially since vaccines only recently rolled out for young children who are at a higher risk of severe symptoms. Since taken on the reins of CEC head, Wang has consulted health experts about Taiwan's COVID measures. In a Facebook post on Monday, Wang shared two pictures, one with National Taiwan University College of Public Health professor Chen Xiuxi and the other with Academia Sinica Institute of Biomedical Sciences researcher He Meixiang. In the caption, Wang said that as CECC commander, learning and exchanging views with all sorts of experts was the only way to devise good policies. I asked them for advice in person and talked about the relevant issues more deeply. For example, I discussed the higher-than-expected death rate and other relevant issues with Professor Chen Xiuxi, and that's his expertise. So I asked him questions in person. It was the same with Dr. He Meixiang. She offered some great guidance on analyzing vulnerable groups, on Taiwan's domestically developed vaccines, and on the future development of COVID. Let's unite and work together against COVID and for economic recovery. We'll continue to work for the good of the people. Premier Su said the government would work to ensure the economy recovers in the last stretch against COVID, that is, with caution at every step. A trickle of passport application is growing into deluge. As borders open, it gets easier to travel abroad. More and more people want their passports renewed. There's a backlog of people who let their passport expire in the pandemic. In the first half of this year, the same number was renewed as in all of 2021. The ultimate travel essential is a passport. 
In the last two years, almost 2.6 million Taiwanese passports expired. With borders closed, their owners didn't bother to renew them. Now, as the end of COVID looms on the horizon, the Bureau of Consular Affairs is getting a growing stream of renewal applications. I'm getting my mother-in-law's passport renewed. I did my own in May or June. I think there are many more people here today. I wanted to get mine done in advance to save trouble later. There's still two years until it expires. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs says 1.74 million people renewed their passport in 2019, before the pandemic began. In 2020, just 310,000 passports were renewed. In 2021, just 230,000. In the first seven months of this year, about the same number of people already got their passport renewed. This July, there were 180% more renewals than in July 2021. I couldn't come back before because of the pandemic. Then my passport expired. So now I'm back and getting my passport done again. <laughs> I was preparing to buy plane tickets when I realized it had expired. So I came straight here to get an extension. Getting a new passport requires supporting documents. Some photo studio owners say their business has mushroomed 20%, with many customers needing a rush service. Some people are in a rush because they want to go on vacation this summer. Mostly it's people going to Korea or Thailand. Some have come back from Canada or the U.S. and need supporting documentation. Many countries are opening their borders again and travel is booming. If you're planning a getaway, make sure your passport won't be a stumbling block. Electricity usage continues to hit new highs as the summer heat continues. Taiwan on Monday saw a peak usage of 40 million kilowatts, the second highest figure ever recorded. But with localized blackouts in the evening and the operating reserve dropping under 10% on Tuesday, concerns are floating about the stability of Taiwan's power supply. It's hot out. Pedestrians brave the scorching sun with umbrellas and sunglasses. At home, the aircon is on at least 12 hours a day. On Monday, Taiwan's electricity usage peaked at 40.67 million kilowatts, the second highest figure ever recorded. But in the evening, blackouts took over areas of Xinjiang and New Taipei and Wanghua in Taipei, leaving about 4,000 households in each district without electricity. Economics Minister Wang Meihua addressed the issue on Tuesday. The causes for the recent blackouts fall under three types, more or less. One is device malfunction, another one is animals that cause faults in the system, and the other is accidents in which equipment is hit by an external force. It's very hot lately, and everyone has their aircon on at home. So whenever there is a blackout at night, everyone feels it more. The Ministry of Economic Affairs says the exceptionally hot weather has caused a surge in aircon usage. Last Friday alone, low-voltage electricity users used 6,094,000 ,000 kilowatts of electricity more than the day with the highest usage in 2021. On Tuesday, the operating reserve went down to 9.36 percent, causing the power supply alert to flash yellow. International fuel prices are very high, and private cogeneration is down. On top of that, we have to purchase electricity from Thai Power. That has caused electricity usage to grow. Thai Power is negotiating contracts with the relevant cogeneration companies. The minister says that during the day, solar power can help meet demand, and at night, hydropower can offer a boost to the grid to ensure a stable supply.
Today was the second day of this year's Hanguang drills. The military conducted a joint sea-air interception exercise off the coast of Suwao in Ilan, simulating a Chinese attack from the air and sea. The domestically built 600-ton patrol ship Anping joined the drills for the first time, testing its conversion from a patrol ship to a combat-ready vessel. The Navy maintains a network with the Coast Guard Administration. We communicate through this to get a grasp on all the fishing boats and unknown vessels in the waters around Taiwan. They notify the Navy, and then we go and identify the vessel. If it's a People's Liberation Army Navy vessel, then we dispatch the appropriate ships to monitor and intercept it. If we are in wartime, we will discuss scenarios with the Coast Guard before we go into combat. We perform joint combat drills, and then they are incorporated into our formation. Among the vessels and aircrafts that took part in the exercise were F-16V and Mirage 2000 fighters, Sikorsi S-70 anti-submarine helicopters, and the Amping patrol vessel. President Tsai Ing-wen oversaw the drills from the deck of a Jilong-class destroyer. With the metaverse and 5G gaining popularity, a new immersive exhibition aiming to bring the audience to different time periods has kicked off in Taipei. Through 4K technology, Taiwanese designers have created eight different time periods. Visitors can take a trip to the early 2000s and get a glimpse of what the future in the year 3148 could be like. FTB reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. One second, you were in 2010 when Vaporwave was popular. Then, a few minutes later, teleport to the year 3148 and get a glimpse of what the future could be like. Another scene allows visitors to experience life in space and walk on the moon. The images of Hong Kong stood out to me because it was very colorful. The other scene that stood out to me was outer space. I think it is great. The exhibition can achieve an educational effect and is especially suitable for children. There are places we don't have easy access to, but through this exhibition we can see things that we don't see often. This is an innovative experience. It is not just a performance space, but also a multifunctional space. Immersive performances are very innovative. If you find four keys, you'll get a chance to win a prize. This is an immersive exhibition held by Taiwan's first 5G immersive stadium. Taiwanese designers have jointly created eight different scenes through 4K imaging technology. This time, it is all made by the Taiwanese production team. Every picture and every piece of music is made by a Taiwanese team. It's the summer vacation. Everyone is probably sick of being locked up at home. And since we can't go abroad, there are many peculiar places you can go virtually. Since the metaverse is popular now, people want to know how they'd see themselves outside the metaverse. Here, we take you to eight different fantasy scenes. Can you imagine what the year 3148 will look like? What about visiting a magical castle in the Middle Ages? You can experience it all here. Organizers hope that through the exhibition, visitors can expand their imagination and travel through time. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Kaylin Wong in Taipei. Fans of art and railway come together at the Fugang Rail Art Festival. The rural Taoyuan Festival brings train buffs and artists together for a summer celebration. This year, dozens of sculptures are installed on the streets of the town, inspired by local history and culture. And lots of performances and interactive events will get visitors of all ages excited about Taiwan's railways. 
short legs, long body. This 300 kilo sausage dog really has a twinkle in its eye. You might never guess it's made from recycled train parts. The forehead is made of the latch from a train carriage. It took me more than a month to conceive of this and put it together. The Fugang Rail Art Festival launches on July 28th. Anyone who's into unusual art will enjoy the exhibits. 27 pieces of art will take the stage along with various events inspired by Hakka culture and the railways. I researched some Fugong history. It used to be a distribution center with a rice granary. So I used a topographic map of the plateau with contour lines to study the human geography of Fugong. Based on this, I found lots of old imagery and local flavors, and then I translated these things. The festival radiates from Fugong train station to the surrounding streets, encompassing physical installations as well as six performance art pieces and 11 public events. Visitors will enjoy a smorgasbord of experiences. From July 28th to August 18th, come and jump into our experiences and events. Take part in our performance art. Bring a bicycle and explore this little town at your leisure. There are lots of little alleyways to get lost down here. With such an array of different attractions to choose from, you could enjoy weeks in Fugang this summer. The Badminton World Federation updated its rankings on Tuesday, with Taiwan star Dai Ziying firmly in her spot as world number two in women's singles. The shuttler has a comfortable lead over the world number three after winning her third championship of the season at the Taipei Open. And another badminton star seems to be climbing the ranks. Taiwan player Xu Wenqi made it to the semifinals in the Taipei Open, giving her enough ranking points to move up four positions to number 38 in the world. The pandemic has hit charities around the world. In Taiwan, the Kanner Foundation saw donations and product sales plummet. The Kanner Foundation provides a home, fulfilling work, and lifelong care for adults with Kanner syndrome, a kind of autism. The foundation's cakes are famous nationwide, but now the organization says it needs help to plug the gap created by COVID. With guidance from the teacher, this student carefully removes stones from these dates. Other students are on packing. The weight of each package is checked. The sweets are all made by hand in the Canner Foundation of Taiwan. But the pandemic cut deep into mid-autumn festival sales this year. The students have less work to do. Our sales volume is drastically reduced. Our donations from the general public have fallen by half as well. Our kids learn while working, and then their emotions are more stable. So now we notice that with less chance for them to work, they have more emotional turbulence, and that makes more work for our teachers. Normally, mid-autumn festival orders are piling up by July, but this year, they're just 10% of pre-COVID levels. And with lots of weddings cancelled due to the pandemic, wedding pastry sales are down 90% too. Students show off their creations with pride. The foundation is hoping more people will step up to help. All their profits go to support the students and run their village in Taoyuan's Longtan district. We have a lot of diverse services. Although the buildings aren't finished yet, we have many other facilities such as the farm garden. There are kids living there already. They get to know the place very fast and have great interactions with people in wider society.
The village has space to house 60 Foundation members. Some people with autism age early, and when their parents are elderly, they may need specialist care. Members of the Foundation also take care of each other. But with the pandemic causing trouble, everyone is working harder. A new take on Cantonese fusion cuisine has hit Taiwan. We spoke to a chef who's reinventing sweet and sour pork ribs and other Cantonese classics. Some dishes combine Chinese and Western cooking styles, while others take their inspiration from Japan. Hokkaido scallops are garnished with a wisp of garlic mousse sitting on a seat of Miche eggplant. This marriage of several cuisines brings the salty eggplant and sweet scallop into sharp relief. The meaty miche eggplant is deep fried until golden, then soaked in broth and fish sauce. As soon as the scallop hits the pan, the room is full of the scent of the ocean. Both sides are fried to lock the sweet juices inside. The mousse is made of fresh garlic, garlic flakes and egg yolk. It's briefly roasted to bring out the flavor and then caviar provides the final garnish. It's a kind of fusion dish. Because the scallops are done in a more western style, the dressing is made with lettuce, pumpkin and crushed garlic. Next, the chef serves the teapot. Inside, abalone and chicken marinated for 8 hours in gongfu tea, much like it is in Japanese seafood broth or dobimushi. Or how about Zhenjiang-style vinegar ribs finished in the deep fryer? Xinjiang vinegar and sugar are toasted by the chef until the sauce caramelizes to create that thick and sour kick. Oh, I was just caramelizing it. That's what sugar does under high temperatures. Then the sauce sticks immediately to the dish. If you're a fan of Cantonese cuisine, make sure to check out this new twist on the classics.